And welcome everyone to the weekly Yes And podcast. I'm your host, Travis Thomas, the creator of Live Yes And and the host of the Weekly Yap. And today's podcast is part of our entrepreneur series where I get to interview different entrepreneurs all over the world where they share how, why, and what they do right down to how they do what they do, why they do it, uh, and the inspiration and purpose behind it. And today's guest is no different. And what a pleasure it was talking to Christine Hansen. Christine is the founder of Sleep Like a Boss, which I have to say is probably the best company name of anyone I've worked with so far. Uh, And Christine left a career in education in 2015, and she now coaches people who are driven, uh, men and women, on how to get a solid night's sleep, allowing them to wake up refreshed with more energy and ready to tackle their legacy and personal life. And what I love about my conversation with Christine is how holistic her approach is. And she has been a regular contributor to different magazines, including the Huffington Post. Uh, She's won awards for her entrepreneurial work. And uh, her message is super inspiring, as well as we get into the sleep side of things as well. And she shares some nice tips for all of you who might be looking to get a little bit of extra sleep, my wife included, right? I sleep like a dog and she sleeps like an animal that would sleep light. What would that animal be? I don't know. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get into the weekly yap with Christine Hansen. So please welcome her to the Yes And Podcast. So please welcome Christine Hansen to the weekly Yes And Podcast. Christine, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Great. And tell me how how things are in Luxembourg today. Oh, it's a beautiful day. We're September now, so fall is slowly creeping in. It's not as hot anymore as in midsummer, and it's just, it's we're really lucky right now. It's a beautiful week, so I'm just relaxing and just enjoying it a lot. <laughs> Fantastic. And, uh, and, and, and so for all you listeners out there as well, uh, uh, we might get some uh, some musical accompaniment underneath this podcast uh, to start. Uh, my son is practicing his piano right now. He's been a great, diligent student. Um, so we might get some uh, some uh, improvised accompaniment, Christine, to your talk. I love that. It feels like we're in a jazz bar. <laughs> That's right. So, Christine, you are. Let, let's let's jump right into it here. You are a sleep coach, and. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are listening right now. They're like, okay, I'm, I'm sure I get what a sleep coach is, but but please tell us sort of uh, exactly what you do and, and, and how you got into becoming a sleep coach. Uh, it's a lot of different components to that, but... Um yeah, actually, a lot of people think they know what I do, <laughs> but it's, um, uh, I'm really an integrative sleep coach for adults. So what that means is that um, I'm not just a sleep expert or a sleep consultant. I really go and do deep coaching with my clients, and I connect external factors as well. So for me, it's really important to understand that people who struggle with sleep often not just have external factors impeding their sleep like nutrition or hydration or environment but very often it's also the mind that is difficult to switch off you know that's that's going galloping away at night when they should be sleeping and so we do a lot of digging and really get them to be at peace and peace and sleep is a great combination 
So that's what I do. And I got into that. Um, that's um, that's my story, basically. Um, I didn't used to be an entrepreneur at all. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a very traditional family. So uh, I was actually adopted from Colombia when I was four months old. So really teeny tiny. And my family here in Luxembourg are pretty stereotypical for Luxembourg, which I think. And that's, um, you know, middle class and very academic, um, very traditional. You know, during the time when my parents grew up, your biggest goal was to get a safe job at the government or, you know, at a company. And that would be what you'd be doing till the rest of your life, you know. So academia was always a very important factor. And so that's what I did. I went to university in the UK where I did a master's and um, a bachelor's and a master's in English. And then I came back and I, I was an English teacher for the government for nine years. And it wasn't, I, I always say I wasn't deeply unhappy. Let's put it that way. I wasn't entirely happy, but, um, you know, I felt guilty for not being incredibly happy because, nice. you know, in Luxembourg, teachers are paid very well have lots of holidays and so everything should be perfect and I have an amazing circle of friends my family are amazing I had a husband who I love dearly and we had a daughter a nice house two dogs you know everything picture perfect and here I was complaining or not daring to complain basically about my job and so for me if I look back I kind of lived, you know, when you have a dirty window and sometimes you think you yes. can just clean it and you can see there's like a complete different paradigm behind it. Um, and so I, when I had my daughter, um, or just before I had her actually, and it was ready to explode, people would come up to me and, you know, say those typical phrases, you know, get some sleep now because you will never sleep again or wave goodbye to your sleep and all that kind of thing. Right. And I love sleep and I'm <laughs> a sleep addict. I need it. It's like, I'm, I just like a gremlin version of myself. If I don't sleep, it's, it's really horrible. And, uh, so their company, these, these kind of comments, you know, I, I would laugh a little bit nervously, but you know, I was freaking out about it because I was at home, uh, everything was fine and we get maternity leaves eight weeks before the due date. And so, you know, I, I was being paid, I could stay at home, sleep in every day, and it was the best time of my life, to be honest. But um, as I slept in, I realized, you know, you will never have this feeling of just being rested again. And so I did what every good mother does, or mother-to-be, and I Googled, and I, um, and I found this whole business around sleep, and at the time it was baby sleep consultants. And you need to understand that in Europe, that that's a completely new idea. It really doesn't exist as such. So for me, that was completely new. And I found a program that I really liked that helped me to get my daughter on track. And so that was 2013. And then 2014, um, my, mo my grandmother was 89 at the time. And uh, she was doing really poorly. 
and it was December and on December 14th uh, our house phone rang and you need to understand nobody calls us on our house phone it's mm. like you know you, you use mobile right. so I knew it was my mom and I thought okay that's it you know that's it she, she's passed away and I picked up the phone and her voice was really weird and I thought okay that confirms it but it wasn't my grandmother it was actually my 23 year old cousin and what had happened is even though he was really really healthy um, he had a heart attack and he died on the spot and so oh, for wow. our we are a very close big family and for us it was just it shook us to the core and for me it was obviously not just because he was my cousin and I loved him so much but he was for me the incorporation of you know you can still do everything mm -hmm. you know he used to travel a lot he had great job opportunities and it was just this potential being sniffed out you know taken away and here I was still you know not that old but having to think about my paycheck and retirement every day to get out of bed. And I just felt like, no, I cannot do this. You know, here is this life that was just taken away and I'm here just living a pale version of what is out there. And I was just like, I have to do something. I, I cannot do this. And so, um, Facebook ads came to the rescue because they showed me an ad that the program that I took with my daughter that they were recruiting or taking candidacies for to train baby sleep consultants. And that was like once I had this idea in my head that you could work on your own, that was when this passion was ignited and it was just, you know, the shoe dropped. It was like oh my god that is something i can do and i just felt this 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 passion and fire in me and, and i was like i have to do this and so i wrote the application on my phone and then i was like oh no because <laughs> i had sent it off of course right i hadn't told my husband or anything and so you know i said next to him I, I sat down next to him and i was like well i've done something and he looked at me and he was like what did you do and uh, i told him you know that i really liked the idea and that i've been and and you know but but i knew it was just a long shot because of course we have a mortgage and so forth and we have our daughter and responsibilities and and he just looked at me and he was like, do it. You've been moaning around for three years, just do it, you yeah. know. And he was like, we'll just, you know, we'll manage. We won't travel for a while and, you know, we'll live more humble and we will, it will work out, you know. And so that was set. And just a week afterwards, I went to the headmaster of my school and said I wouldn't come back for the next um for the next, you know, after the, the summer holidays. And that's how I became a baby sleep consultant first. But I had so many adults asking me, don't you treat adults? Because, you know, there's a huge sleep problem out there. And so out of the need, I started to expand my knowledge and go really from what I knew from baby sleep, which is usually, yes, you do get a foundation, but it's still very much behavioral to really sleep science and also the whole mental um, component, which I adore, which for me is so important. So mm -hmm. I did a whole coaching training mm -hmm. on top of that. And that's what makes me alive, you know, working yeah. with people and they are always beautiful beautiful people uh, open to get help and they have very different stories and it's just helping them to see what they are not seeing um and to 
to help them with their journey basically what makes me really come alive you know and I'm I'm ridiculously happy because I, I'm doing something that I never it's just recently that I had a consultation and I remember I was gone for two two hours because my, my sessions are between one and two hours, depending on how much work we're doing. And I drove home and then I thought, okay, so now I have to go and do some work. And I was like, hang on a minute, because <laughs> the two hours are a part of what I do. Right. So, but I was just like, it doesn't feel like it. It's yeah. just, I love it so much. So, um, yeah, that's how I got why I am. <laughs> mm. Well, go back to... Go back to the feeling, I, I guess, of discontent that that you had. Um, you're, you know, you're working as an English teacher. You know, great family, great home, everything taken care of. And what is the void that you think was there compared to now that you are doing the sleep coaching? And 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 so what, you know, what wasn't there that you have now? I think it was that. I don't even, it wasn't necessarily a void. Um, It was more like a pressure, a discomfortable pressure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I was always happy in the classroom because I'm a people person. I connect well and I taught teenagers from 14 to 19 or 23, depending on how they did, but usually 19. And I love my students, but we had so much work at home to do, you know, this, this testing and grading. And I just saw how it was demotivating my students and I hated doing it. It was like homework for me. And I think now I realize that I, even though I was a normal teenager, I never felt entirely happy in high school. Like I think probably (laughs) 99.9% of people. And it, um, and I never really wanted to go back, but, you know, circumstances happened and that's why I landed. And um, I think I could never really escape that. And so I could never really develop again because when I was at uni, I felt so happy. I felt really good because I could break out from this high school me. And then when I became a teacher, having to do all these assignments, I felt like doing homework again. And I think at the beginning, I had to go through three years of teacher training. You know, I always had another goal. And then I didn't. You know, then it was just doing the same year after year after year. And I think that just made me unhappy because I couldn't develop myself anymore. Sure. Yes, I could and go and teach part-time and do a PhD or something, but I'm not an academic person. So that's something I never even considered. So, you know, when you just have this day in, day out, even though you have holidays and everything, if you just live for your holidays, something's wrong. There's just too many days in a year to struggle through the majority and just enjoy your days off. Right. At least that's what I think. Right. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that, um, there's not really a true enjoyment with what they're doing as much as, uh, you know, just trying to get by until that next break. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's not a great way to live. No. And also, I think, you know, in the U.S., you have the American dream. We don't really have that here. It's I feel a lot more, a little bit more grounded. Mm. And, um, you know, people were really 
building things up again. And, and my parents' generation, you know, they are the kids of the people who went through the Second World War and right. so having to build everything up. And so there was a huge rise in the 70s. So for them, working for the government is just the safest thing to do. And it was for their generation, but it just can't continue. And so making it clear to them that entrepreneurship is just as a safe bet as say, betting on a government or a corporation is sometimes difficult. But I think um, for me, it was just feeling guilty of not being happy with this great job that I was given in a way and also not liking to do what I do. But I didn't I don't have any entrepreneurs in my surrounding at all. Um, Luxembourg in general, I feel is not very entrepreneurial friendly. Now it's getting interested in fintech. Um but apart from that, it's it's just not really, it doesn't have that vibe. Right. So I would never have gotten the idea of becoming an entrepreneur at all hadn't it been for that Facebook ad, which is ridiculous. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so a nice little plug for Mark Zuckerberg out there yeah. and Facebook, yeah. who is still yet to return my calls for sponsoring my <laughs> podcast. Uh, uh, <laughs> so you mentioned that idea of, you know, the safety of having a government job. And I think there's this, there, you know, I, being a parent, you know, of three, <clears throat> as a parent, obviously my number one uh, priority for my children is this idea of safety. Uh, but I also know as having been a child <laughs> that uh, my priority for living isn't really this idea of safety. Uh, safety is not what inspires me and motivates me to get up in the morning. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a, a sense of purpose and passion um, and and so so for you, what was as you sort of stepped out on your own into an area that really wasn't entrepreneurial friendly? What was that? What was that initial uh, uh, process like? So I have to say that I did it. I encapsulated myself off a little bit. Um, and it's only been recently that I started to include myself again as in my Luxembourgish person. So to explain that a little bit, it's a little bit, I have a split personality in a way, but not in a weird way. But um, I do all my business or most of my business in English um, because it's easier for me to express myself that way. Okay. And um, the first touch, and I think I was very lucky with that when I had the idea of becoming an entrepreneur, was that I don't even remember how it happened, but I, I was referred to Skillshare, and I saw the very first thing that I saw was a class by Seth Godin. Mm. Uh, it was amazing. Yeah. And I think I was very lucky because in that class he talked about how you have to tell stories, how you have to know your clients and all of these kinds of things. And it was beautiful. It was an amazing class. And so that gave me the right start right from the get-go. I also always felt at home in the virtual world, always. Um, During the 90s and early 2000s, we had a lot of chat rooms going on in Luxembourg. So I was always there. And so the virtual world and internet world, online world was something I felt at home And um, now, though, I only started to really include my Luxembourgish a little bit more as well, like my personal Facebook page, for example. I really split the two because I didn't feel comfortable. I was like the online entrepreneur Christine and the still kind of traditional Luxembourgish Christine. And now I'm slowly starting to own 
me as being an entrepreneur here at home too. So it's a journey. Yeah. It's really a journey, but uh, it's an important one. And when I announced that I was going to do this, I thought most people would say I was crazy. How could I do this? And apart from my dad, who doesn't understand, <laughs> most people were most teachers that I told told me their sentence was I envy you which made me so incredibly sad because it really showed how many people are trapped in this job that's like right. a golden handcuff in a way because it's you get so many perks that it's very difficult to get sure. out there you know <laughs> so um, it, it was tricky for me to feel comfortable here at home but I'm starting to get really out there more and more, and I won an uh, I won an award for creative entrepreneurship in Luxembourg too. So, and I think they really liked it because I was somewhat local, who kind of got out of this safety net that so many Luxembourgish people still crave right. to do their own thing. So, I'm really it's it's really a journey that I'm taking, and I really want to bring the voice a lot more out there that. You know, like Warren Buffet says, you know, you're the safest bet because you bet on yourself. And I totally butchered that, but, you know, <laughs> you know the message is the same. So. <laughs> well, it's, uh, and I, it's, it's so interesting, you know, the comment from, from your peers of, you know, I envy you and that, that, sense, of, that sense of being trapped. But as you, as you fully understand, right, is that <clears throat> they're not trapped, nor does that comment, uh, uh, I envy you. A lot of times when people say, I envy you, it's, well, that's great for you, but I, I could never do that. And mm-hmm. as you know, the reality is, well, I'm no different than you. Um, and, and, and people feel that they couldn't do the same thing for, for whatever reason. For you, what, what, is it, what is it about you? I know this is always a tough question to answer. What is it about you that, that, that is different that has allowed you to take that leap? I think it's my personality. Um, I think I've always had this within me, always, which is also probably because I always felt a little bit off in a way. Not not terribly, like I wasn't the weird one or anything, but um, I always knew that when I had a passion, I went full throttle towards it. I become very invested in... I think something that I was also taught is resilience. And I think for me, it was this aha moment with my cousin plus the prelude that when I had my daughter and I went back I had the perfect schedule for example I had perfect classes and it still was horrible so I thought okay it's mm-hmm. not going to stay that way it's going to be even worse right. <laughs> um, so you know it can never be better and I I'm feel miserable and I think it was really my cousin's death that shook me so much that I just had to, I just, I had to get out and I didn't know what to do because, you know, I literally have a Mickey Mouse degree. My master's is in children's literature. So it's like, (laughs) what on earth are you going to do with that? And then having the idea that I can build this up on my own, I think I'm just, I don't know if it's foolish or brave or passionate enough to think that I can do this. I know I can do this. I, I completely get it. I know what I have to do. And I also know that if I am, that if I have a passion for something, I go for it and I work for it and I put my complete heart into it. And so I just knew I could do it. And that's why I think I'm, 
I'm on the right path because it's it's not and it sounds so corny but it's like my complete my whole being my core pulls me towards this this mission that I'm on and so it cannot be wrong because it feels so incredible that it cannot be wrong (laughs) and where where do you think that uh, that mindset and that motivation comes from for you very interesting I really don't know where it comes from I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't know where I originally come from. Maybe that's where, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and that's also interesting because up till just a couple of weeks ago, I was never interested in who my birthing parents were, even though I could get the information. Sure. I was never interested. And we actually traveled back to Colombia a couple of years ago and I was at the orphanage where I was and I could easily have asked them and I never did. And it is only now that I actually asked to get the records because mm. I want to know if there's a connection, even though, you know, it's nurture and nature, nurture and things. But sure. um, I thought, you know, it's interesting to know. So now I'm ready for that. And I think um, this whole journey has been a huge getting to know me that I never done before. Yeah. And I think it's just a selfish feeling of being happy where I get this from. <laughs> Well, uh, and, and, and off of that idea of, of getting to know yourself better um, through this journey, especially through the entrepreneurial journey, uh, what have you what have you discovered uh, most or new about yourself? Uh, it's been intense, very intense, and I always say that because before the last. 30 years I just you know you just live you, you get your paycheck and you kind of live day by day and you know everything's going to be fine and when you're an entrepreneur especially a service-based entrepreneur you do sell your services but you need to connect with people and in order to do that you need to know yourself and you need to be you know at peace with yourself and so I had to do a lot a lot of digging um, and I found so many things and I have to say I'm incredibly happy that I have some people in my entrepreneurial online field that helped me through this and I also invest in that in coaches um, but some of the main things were positive things you know things that I didn't even know things that I took for granted um, like my resilience for example like my ability to connect with people pretty easily um, or just you know this notion of being allowed to feel incredibly happy I was raised in a traditional Catholic upbringing not completely but that's the main message that you have you know don't brag and so forth so all of these thoughts that are now you know that every entrepreneur is now hearing were completely new to me and I had, for example, never heard of the word mindset. I had no idea what that was. I had never heard <laughs> of it. So I was like, "What is this?" And um, so, when is what is the first yeah. time you you heard you heard of mindset for you? I believe it was when I talked to my coach the first time, okay. and she was like, "Yeah, your mindset," and just taking it for granted until after two sessions or so, I said, "What do you mean?" But yeah. I really really understood mindset um i think when i probably read lynn grabhorn's book and it's called excuse me your life is waiting that's i think when i really understood mindset 
And when I got into Tony Robbins and things like that, I didn't know him. I had no idea who he was, you know, <laughs> these kind of huge people. Right. So I care. And it changed my world. It completely changed my world. And I think I wish I can bring it a little bit more here to our students, for example, because it would change so much. So for me, it changed a lot. Getting to know me, my good characteristic, my my weaknesses, even though they are not really weaknesses in terms of that you can work on them and you know being aware of them is is already a huge step and it has just helped me to stop manipulating myself you know i'm still comparing myself a lot to what i was in my academic kind of setting completely stop doing that because it's not what I was supposed to do. So um, all of these things have helped me to feel so much more at peace with myself. But of course, it's it's a lonely journey um, in person. You know, I have a huge tribe online, but here for myself, maybe I'm also judging my friends too harshly. I don't know. But um, it's difficult for me to talk about what I do and how I feel to my friends because you know they they're not entrepreneurs and sure. I feel some things are just really difficult to explain <laughs> especially something like mindset <laughs> it's like right <laughs> right 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 it, yeah. it's yeah it's tough when you don't have that community or tribe around you that uh that can empathize with uh, with what you're going through which is why I'm so thankful to the internet with its communities, its blogs, the podcasts, incredibly helpful. Um, I think the first podcast that I ever listened to was the Being Boss podcast. And yeah. I think that again was just golden that I found it because it was like, oh, I'm not the only one who feels that way. You right, know? right. And it just opened so many worlds and then diving into Facebook and finding I call it the entrepreneurial current in Facebook, you know, <laughs> like you kind of see the same people over and over again. It's yeah. just community and um, that has helped me a lot. But locally, it's different. It's it's very different. And funny enough, a lot of entrepreneurs in Luxembourg are actually expats. Okay. Luxembourg has a very, very multicultural population. And a lot of the people here who have big companies are, are actually expats. So that's interesting, too. Yeah. Well, let's move on from being a boss to sleeping like a boss. Uh, <laughs> what a fantastic, fantastic name for your, for your, uh, for your sleep coaching. Um, and so <clears throat> we're talking about mindset. We're talking about, um, as, as you're sort of have recognized for yourself, just how interconnected all the different aspects of our life are. Um, I have a sense that, that that plays into your, your sleep coaching as well. So can you talk a little bit about sort of uh, 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 the work that you do as a sleep coach with people? Yeah, so um, I always – so it's always two-thirds of mind work and one-third of external, external factor work. So we really get to the bottom of what of what is keeping them from sleeping. So – People that I work with have usually been given the all clear from their doctors. You know, they've been to a sleep center and secretly they had hoped that they would have a sleep disorder or sleep apnea, but they've been given the all clear. Sure. And, you know, you should be happy about it, but they're not because obviously something else is wrong. And so uh, what I do is I really look at what keeps them awake or if there was an event 
that has triggered them becoming an insomniac. Sometimes it's the death of a family member. Sometimes it's a new challenge at the workplace. It could be a personal thing. It could be, um, it, I, at the moment I work with a woman who's 56. She has a huge business, very successful, and she's just starting to completely, completely reinvent herself. So, and sleep is obviously really disturbed because she has so much going on in her head so we work through that and at the same time uh, at each each week has an external factor that takes priority so one week I would give them a log to look at their nutrition which I would go through another week I would get them to do some blood work or hormone work depending on their age and their gender to look at that one week I would like look at their environment and help them to optimize that you know I even look at mattresses with them or what kind of beds would be great to get. So all kinds of different factors. So one each week and then each week they get little homework, small, small, tiny action steps, which which could be something like you have to take a lunch break for half an hour. And that can be a huge challenge for people, you right. know, just prioritizing themselves and taking 30 minutes for lunch. So we work with baby steps and really get them to find out what triggers them so what they take to bed at night basically so if they have something during the day that they start to realize okay this is this might be something that comes and haunts me tonight I give them different techniques to deal with it, such as journaling, for example, or walking it off, or um, depending on what their prior, what their preferences are, whether they want to have a walking meditation or a sitting meditation. So we find different things, and each week they get little action steps to implement, and it's huge. Um, most of the time I work with people who are very controlling, not in a negative way necessarily, but they just like everything to be a certain way. They like to be on top of things. And, you know, sleep is uncontrollable. You cannot take it and force it upon you. Mm. It doesn't work. But you can optimize your spirit, your mind, and your body to it. So you're not powerless. But you need to understand that I like to personify sleep so that you have to collaborate with sleep. Mm. You need to help your mind not to shut the door on sleep and you need to help your body to be optimized to welcome sleep at, as well at night and so that's the journey that we take together and so yeah it's it's fantastic and it's different for everyone and it's not easy you know sometimes there are massive changes that people know they have to take and it's very difficult to implement on your own so I'm really looking and, and helping them to find the blind spots and helping them to to just continue their journey and to to grow and to find their way back to sleep. Interesting. I, I love that idea of collaborating with sleep. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. It's it's very much a, a yes and approach to uh, to sort of <laughs> to sort of solving that issue is uh, being in being in cooperation and collaboration compared to being in competition, right? I imagine, I imagine you get to the point with people. Um, and, uh, you know, my wife is, uh, I, am a fantastic sleeper, but it's always been something that she has, it hasn't been Mm -hmm. easy for her getting great sleep. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's by the time you're working with people, they don't have a really great relationship with sleep. No, (laughs) They probably don't think too fondly (laughs) of, of their, they're not really cooperating with this partner of theirs. 
Exactly. Um, and, and you mentioned that a lot of them are, you know, they are controlling for, you know, not, mm-hmm. not, not as negative. And so I imagine that idea of having to shift from that mindset of trying to control compared to being in cooperation. I, just that, again, yeah. just that idea of control itself is such a, um, a, a tense uh, uh, sort of stressful idea in itself and, exactly. and that, that, that sense of being able to let go and find that peace. That's so hard. Absolutely. It's, it's very hard to do. And it's as you say, you know, I always say sleep is your ally. Your body wants sleep and sleep wants to come. It's not your nemesis. It's not this nuisance that you have. It's, it's the biggest powerful ally you can have. And we just need to rekindle your connect, your relationship. And it's not always fair. You know, some people, Sometimes I compare it to a person. Sometimes I compare it to dogs. You know, some people have a Labrador sleep. It just comes, it cuddles up, and it's fine. And some people have a, a Chihuahua sleep. You know, it's just like yep, 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 all the time, <laughs> jumping around, and it's just very difficult to get it to settle down. So, depending on what kind of sleep you have, you need to get to know your sleep and then figure out what it likes, what it doesn't like, what works, what doesn't work. And the people I work with are usually very educated. So they have already tried tons of sleep hacks, have a good night routine, usually have a very good diet too. And they have done a lot of things. And so they are stressing out because, you know, I'm doing everything. Why isn't it working? And it's like exactly because you are stressing so out about it. Sleep just might feel too much pressure you know it's it's really trying to get them to understand it too so that it's a beautiful relationship at the end that's just harmonious and peaceful so (laughs) that sounds weird but that's kind of how it works best when i explain it (laughs) well um so for, for anyone listening, Christine, and, and, uh, and I'm sure there's uh, a lot of people that might get good sleep, but I'm sure are curious to know how they could get even better sleep, you know, do you have a, a couple just sort of off the top tips to help people sort of improve their overall sleep? Yeah, there are tons of different things. So, um, I'm not going to go too much into the the typical sleep hacks because I think you can find them very easily online. But something that I would really try to help you to do is to not stress about it. So what I like to do is ask yourself or tell yourself, so what if I don't sleep perfectly? Because a lot of the time, you know, we go to bed sleep is not coming, we're stressing out, we're not getting our eight hours. And you know what? You've had those nights tons and times before and you managed fine. Yes, tomorrow is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be as easy as if you had great sleep, but so what? You will manage. You've done it before. You know, so stop freaking out about it. It's not the end of the world. And so if you're lying down and it's not coming, just say, so what? Get up and do something else until you feel sleep tapping you on the shoulder because you're, you start yawning, your eyes start to sting. And so sleep's ready. Sleep is there. Okay, then you can go back to your bed and try again. But don't lie there. You know, squeeze your eyes shut and stress <laughs> out about not sleep, not being there, because sleep has left the building. It's gone. So there's no point. Yeah. Well, so I, that's my. <laughs> no, that, that's that's great, and I and I'm I'm very conscious of the fact that right now <clears throat> we're doing this interview. I've got my laptop in my lap, and I have my cell phone 
um, doubling as uh, you know, sort of our, our microphone right now that we're recording this, and and realizing what a prevalent role that these play in our lives now. These uh, mm-hmm. these screens that uh, are sort of thrown in front of our face until the last minute. Um, what what are your what are your recommendations as far as sort of unplugging, sort of mentally and physically unplugging as we sort of move into our evening? It really depends on every person. Some people are very good at just unplugging. Um, For others, it takes time. So something I like to do is um, you should, I love routines. I really do, uh, especially for people who struggle with sleep. So you should give yourself time, put a time, set a time an hour before you want to go to bed. And when that timer goes off, you still have an hour, but stop doing anything work-related or anything that might upset you. And something that I always, always suggest to do is to keep a little pretty journal, your journal of gratitude, and write down three positive things. And those can be tiny things. It could be, I got the best parking space today, Mm -hmm. or the photocopier broke down after me, or I snatched the last muffin in the cafeteria. And it's just helping you to feel lighter and happier when you go to sleep. So it really depends on every person. Um, But I like to keep an hour before going to bed, just work-free, worry-free. If you're someone who's like, who has this sponge personality, you know, where a lot of things affect you, I really like journaling during the day. Mm. So taking 15 minutes during the day to write down anything that might come and haunt you at night, anything that has upset you. Don't do it before bedtime because that might wind you up even more. Okay. And also keep two separate journals, one for the worrying and one for the gratitude um, so that you don't mix them up or that you get reminded of something before you go to bed. So those are things that work very well. And then depending on your character, I like guided meditations a lot. Yes. Um, guided meditations are great. You have apps for that as well. So you shouldn't take your iPhone to bed with you, but you know, if you can't be helped, uh, you have the Calm app, for example, or you can get downloads um, which are called iRest. So, like iTunes, but iRest. And they are not as spiritual, they're very practical, and they were developed for people, for soldiers with PTSD, Mm. and I really, really like them. You can also use them for power naps, they help you to get into the same state of mind as in deep sleep. So they're really powerful, and I really like them. So those are things that I recommend my clients to get down and to kind of help them to get ready for bed. Those are great. Those are great. But you, I, I feel really bad about the guy that was behind you with the photocopier <laughs> and who did not get the, the last muffin. So we need to help that guy now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's your next client, Christine, will be that guy. Exactly. I was yeah. just giving my card, snatching it away. <laughs> Christine, what is, <clears throat> what is one area that people are most surprised as you work with them that, uh, that is connected to sleep that maybe they don't think about? The whole mind thing, actually. (laughs) They usually come to me and they are hoping that I'm giving them a list of tasks to do. Uh, And then when I start talking to them and I start asking them what's going on in your head, that's when they are actually surprised. And so um, 
what surprises them most after working with me for a while is that they can manage, that it changes everything, that it changes the whole way that they go through every day because they start realizing what is triggering them. They start to become much more aware of what is affecting them and they start to know how to deal with them. So it's really beautiful because they they start to deal with everything very differently and become more balanced. And, and also, it's very often when I tell them that I've heard exactly the same thing from a previous client, they are surprised because mm. they often think that nobody feels the same way that they do. Right, right. And it's when I talk to them, I talk to a client and she said, yes, um, she hadn't slept for a couple of days when she was uh, on a trip with her new boyfriend and she was okay. And I was like, so what did you tell him? And she was like, well, I told him I didn't sleep well. And I had to stop her because I was like, no, you know, you cannot just say I didn't sleep well because it's so much more than that. You know, she was exhausted. She was crying. She couldn't do it anymore. And I just told her, you know, you have to tell the people around you what it feels like because it's horrible. It's horrible. So um, just having them understand that they are not alone, that they are not crazy is a huge, huge point of relief. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. Um, so Christine, we're almost out of time here. I want you to be able to share how people can get a hold of you online and social media. What is the best way to do that? So the best way is to visit my website, which is sleeplikeaboss.com. And they can also get a couple of sleep hacks there. And I am always on Facebook. You can find me under by Christine Hansen or Sleep Like a Boss. And I also have a podcast, which you can find on iTunes or on my website, sleeplikeaboss.com slash podcast, where you can get to know me a little bit better. So, and you know, you can always send me an email via my website. I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, if you want to get to know me better or have any more inquiries about what it is that I do, then please feel free to do to reach out. Excellent. And by far the best name of a, uh, a company yet. Uh, Chris. And you really made my job naming this podcast easy with Sleep Like a Boss. So, so Christy, before we wrap up, you ready to uh, improvise here? You ready to do a little yes and? Okay. All right. Good. I'll just throw, I'll throw a word or an idea at you and just go with the, the first thing that pops in your head. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Counting sheep. Doesn't work. <laughs> What? I, I was taught that since childhood, Christine. How does that not work? <laughs> um, next word. Purpose. Passion. Five years from now, I can't wait to blank. To tell my husband that he doesn't have to work anymore. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> this just became his favorite podcast, Christine. <laughs> um, the best tip for sleeping is. So what? Hmm. What do you mean by that? Don't stress about it. Great. Freedom. Don't take it for granted. Fantastic. And let me see. The last one here is. 
excitement. Every day. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Christine, you survived the yes and uh, the moment here. Christine, thanks so much for, uh, for for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. I I, I am honored to get to uh, to interview so many uh, interesting and amazing people. So thank you so much for jumping on the Yes and podcast this week. Thank you so so much as well. It was it was a great great podcast. I loved your questions. Thank you. You got it. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not.